What's up, folks? This is Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now, the podcast and live stream where we talk about the time or timely topics from the timeless perspective of the truth of God's Word. Uh, we do this every Tuesday at uh, 11 Eastern, 10 Central. I'm joined by my good friend Aaron Dotson, who is a minister with the Washington Avenue Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I work with the Riverview Church of Christ in Riverview, New Brunswick in Canada. And uh, Aaron, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, and I'm thankful for technology many, many hours away. I don't know if I'll ever be able to come to Canada and see you, but uh, technology it. does it pretty good. Well, they, they lifted the travel ban, so now you can come. So that, and, okay. So and that won't that be an issue. Stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe one of these years you can get up here and... Yeah. Normally, we try to have a big event every year, but with COVID, you know, it just really messed us up. And uh, so we hadn't, for two years, we hadn't been able to do that. But um, this, uh, interestingly enough, the powers that be up here kind of seeing the writing on the wall, and they're saying, we better look like we have the people's interest in mind. And lo and behold, they're scrambling and doing some stuff that is good. So yeah. They're trying to curry favor before the election. Anyway. Yeah. Well, somehow maybe that'll catch on and be a little more long-term than just a vote. Well, I really hope so. Maybe. Um, so, listen, if you're in the chat, if you're watching, be sure and comment so Facebook knows we're here and YouTube knows we're here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, normally, we have at least, you know, 10 or 15 people in by now. Okay, so good news. Uh, it's allowing me to share this much easier than it was the previous weeks. I That's tap good. share, and then I tap page, and I can go directly to whatever page I control. So you're not streaming it through the two-by-two two right now? Uh, it says that I am. Okay, okay, I'll look at it. I, I yeah, looked at check it. it. check it for us. I'll uh, see. Okay, okay, I just so shared it. David Stafford's listening. Deborah O'Neill's listening. Good deal. Deborah O'Neill commented for us on, on YouTube, which that really helps. Um, so if, if it's not too much trouble, for those of you that just commented, share it. Uh, it don't matter where you share it. Just uh, just share that. And I'm, I hope, I don't know what's wrong. I don't see it. Uh, I do not see it on two by two. Well, then it's not there. All right. Yeah. So I'll share it with that. Go ahead. Let's get into the podcast. Absolutely. Um, going to talk a little bit about, well... Let's just let it develop. Um, Aaron, won't you read the verse that we normally read? Absolutely. I've got it drawn here. Let me a couple of clicks uh, from the International Standard Version, 1 Chronicles 12.32. The tribe of Issachar supplied 200 leaders along with all of their relatives under their command. They kept up to date in their understanding of the times and knew what Israel should do. I like uh, that. I like it. the way it if, renders that. Yes. If we hide our heads in the sand, like like the proverbial ostrich, mm -hmm. we're not going to know what to do in the Lord's church. No, I think uh, the the reason we have this podcast and the reason we kind of put our heads together to do this is because a lot of times my brethren askew uh, dealing with timely issues. We work so very hard to try to put out timeless material that. We negate or we neglect being timely. Yep. And when you look at the Bible, it was timely. Like First Corinthians chapter seven, Paul uh, talks about uh, the present distress. He says, "I suppose, therefore, 
that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man for a man to remain as he is. And uh, actually, if you take all that out of context, God says in the beginning it's not good for man to be alone. But then in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says it's better for you if you remain unmarried, if you remain like me. Well, is Paul contradicting God? God forbid. But because of the timely nature of the letter to the church in Corinth, it was better for you if you were not married to not take a wife. If you were married, by all means, stay married. And if your spouse decides to leave, they were never under that kind of bondage where you could compel them through force to stay. And if you're a widow, be sure if you do remarry, marry only in the Lord, but um, it's better for you not to marry. And all of this is in the present distress. And, And we need to understand that in this Western culture right now, the powers that be are going after uh, the the thing upon which Western value, uh, Western culture is built, which is Judeo-Christian values right from God's Word. Yeah. So we, we need to talk about these things. And as such, we get rather political in this podcast, and I don't care. Um, well, and for someone who might watch this or listen later and say they sincerely think, but Aaron— Tony, aren't gospel preachers supposed to just preach book, chapter, verse, context, you know, expository? Yes, and we don't. We do our best to not take passages out of context. Yeah. But but also, I'd like to say that there are different times and places for different types of preaching and teaching. Yeah. You know, there are Bible classes at Riverview Church. There are Bible classes at Washington Avenue. There, I'm doing expository sermons on Sunday night, going That's through it. section by section of 1 Corinthians. There is also need for timely lessons, learning from the principles of God's Amen. Word as to our day and time now. All of that is needed. It's not one or the other. Right. And, by the way, um, what did we learn in, quote-unquote, preaching school? You have to give an application so you can expose it all you want to. But if you never tell people how it applies to their life 2,000 years after the New Testament is written, right? then you've preached this humdinger of a sermon, and it'll be like Brother Moser will, will, when he does the critique. Well, Brother Aaron, you did, a, you did a fine job with that lesson. It was logically arranged. You didn't have too many grammatical errors, although you did speak like you're from Alabama, and we'll never get that out of you. Right. But uh, as far as your con- as far as the sermon is concerned, uh, so what? Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff they used to do to us in school. Yeah, and and, and, and so you, you might exegete this wonderful passage of scripture, or, or wonderfully exegete the passage of scripture. But if you don't tell people, if you don't reprove, rebuke, and exhort with it, with an understanding of the times. It's just bluster. It, it's it's just like a like a like a cloud of 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 a dark cloud way off in the distance in a drought that never comes to fruition and never gives rain. That's right. Hey, and with that in mind, Tony, let's sometime do a show. Let's just do an episode on verses that don't apply to us today. Learning the difference between the permanent and the temporary. Learning yeah. learning how. 
there are some verses it they don't apply to us, but we learn something from it. We, you see, yeah. that's what I've been trying to teach you. You can still learn something from it. That's like First Corinthians fourteen thirty four is usually an often misused verse. Let your women keep silent, and that's not kept in its yeah. context. And people misunderstand. They think, well, if it doesn't apply to us today, then yeah. that means women can preach in the mixed assembly. No, right. it no. doesn't. You once you understand the context carefully, yeah, uh, and a it doesn't apply. You can learn something from yep. it, but but it, I think there's a difference there between how it applies and then what what we learn today if it doesn't apply to us. Right, and you know that something that I've I've trained these folks up here in Riverview. Um, I'll take something that's true, and I'll go to a verse that normally is used to quote unquote prove the proposition. And put that verse in its context and show how that verse does not teach what it's been used to teach over the years. Yep. And they've been trained to think like that, and they like it. They like it when you when you put verses in their context, and you can use the wrong verse to prove the right thing. Yeah. And anyway, so that yep. yeah, that that would be a good show. Maybe we'll need to put. We'll have to do some actual. Y'all, we don't do a whole lot of preparing for this. Most of what we do is on the is in the overflow, but um, we we'll need to do a little bit of preparation for that. So yeah, I, I like that idea, Aaron. All right, I've just got a lot of stuff on my mind. I want to talk about it, and I, I I was able to sum it up with one video from our um Amish our 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 ex Amish you uh, TikTok account. So I'm going to play the video, and um, we're going to talk about some of the things, and I'm going to kind of lead the conversation and get your feedback and get your input, Aaron. Cool. And uh, we'll just kind of sort some things out in my own mind, and maybe we'll get all the problems of the world solved yeah. in about the next 45 minutes. Yes, sound good, with the help of our comments here. That's it. And by the way, Deborah O'Neill says, I don't think it went through on the two-by-two two page at 1214 and then the next minute she says, Never mind, it just showed up. So you may you may check to see if it's actually there. I think it did because I did it. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, you I, shared it there. I I did. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Cool, I, I, I think. Well, I'm gonna add this to the stream. Yeah, it's because I shared it. All right, let me do this. It never it never defaults <laughs> the right way. There we go. Yeah. All right. The the text in this video is another staunch religious Amish preacher contacted me today. The context here is this is a guy that's an ex-Amish, and he was from a very old order conservative Ordnung, which is their Amish community, and the Ordnung is the rulers over that Amish community. Very old order, very, very ultra-conservative, even more so than some Amish that you... I know they were more old order conservative than the Amish with which I'm familiar uh, that was around Weekly County in Northwest Tennessee. So uh, listen to this guy. Um, I'm gonna, it, it, first off, it's very informative. It's very interesting. And there's some points that we're going to talk about, some generalities we're going to talk about. And uh, then, of course, that, that'll be the show. You ready, Aaron? Yes, sir. You know, when you know the truth, you cannot be fooled. I just heard from an Amish preacher from a different state, didn't give me his name, didn't give me his location. He just said that he's reaching out because he saw my TikTok on his driver that he hired 
to uh, do some business, take him to different places. He saw my TikTok and he messaged. And I, of course, immediately reached back because I love my people, the Amish, and chatting with them. And he said to me, you should come back. I know you're kind of bitter. You have a worldly phone and you're doing TikTok and you're exposing the Amish because you're just very angry and bitter. And I said, well, you're using a phone to call me right now, ain't you? Yeah, but I don't own it. I said, okay, so God is still happy with you. And he said, well, we just don't believe in owning it, but we can use it. I said, so what about the car? He goes, oh, no, 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 we can't own that. I said, but you hire that driver to do the sin for you? <laughs> but anyway, it started out bad. I should have probably been more, had more mercy on him. But he goes down this road right here. He said, sir, he said, you need to come back if you were baptized the Amish way. Because once you make that oath at baptism, you already know you made an oath to God and the Amish church. And if you break that oath, and I said, whoa, 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 I never got baptized. I disqualified because I rode an English worldly bicycle and my Amish church told me I'm disqualified. Oh, 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 I didn't know that. I said, now, do you still look at me as going to hell since I'm uh, not Amish? He goes, well, if you were born and raised Amish, then you're, you should stay Amish because God brought you into the world as an Amish baby. So if you were born and raised that way, you, sh you should remain that way because that's the only hope we have to get to heaven. I said, okay, so did Jacob Amon, did he honor his father and mother? Oh, who, who's that? I said, oh, oh, that's right. You guys don't go to college. You don't go to school and you don't educate yourself. Guess what? I said, this guy, when I left the Amish 24 years ago this year, I said, I educated myself. I wanted to see if it's true where the Amish come from and get educated and learn some history. I said, Jacob Amon, yeah, your name Amish comes from Amon. Yeah, he actually did not honor his father and mother. He, when they, the Anabaptists came from Switzerland to America, he was angry, wanted power and control over a certain group. So he shunned his own Anabaptist people and started his own church called the Amish. And that's where you come from. So if you teach that you must father, honor your father and your mother and stay Amish, Jacob Amon, the one you follow, he also did not even do as he taught. See, a lot of these religious hypocrites, it's do as I say, not as I do. Let's just say when I started into that conversation, I heard on the phone, click. <laughs> well, there's a lot there. Yes, a lot. So I, I had a comp. Okay, so first off, update. I had to take my 2015 Ram Bighorn to the garage because I get a front end alignment because my front tires were just eat up, especially the right one. Well, it turns out I got a ball joint out of whack. So it's going to cost 500 bucks, um, including the alignment. So that's good. But uh, uh, the, the question comes up, what brings you to Riverview? What, what possessed you to come up here? Now, well, I come up, I'm working with a little church in Riverview, yada, yada. And I was explaining a little bit about what we do. And I, the, she asked, well, you know, down south where you're from, it's really, really heavy in, in churches, isn't it? I said, well, yeah, it's called the Bible Belt. And I said, I'm going to level with you. I'm very, very happy to be out of it. I have developed kind of a, a type of bitterness, and I'm aware of that, for the Bible Belt in the United States. I, I've, I've come to disdain it because of things exactly like what this guy went through, things about some stuff that I saw on Facebook in the Midwest Churches of Christ going after uh, Don Blackwell and uh, Gary uh, Glenn Colley 
Now, you know that there's no love lost between me and Don Blackwell, but you have to represent what somebody says, and you cannot be the arbiter of God's will and his grace and his long suffering. And I think sometimes this kind of culture that's developed around the Church of Christ has been more so denominational in origin. Like, we don't have a headquarter, but we do have this nebulous kind of abstract, overarching group of supposed um, thought leaders from separate locations that, that are over these different areas, and they have their own things that they find important, their own things that they concentrate on. Like you've got the guys in Virginia or West Virginia. Uh, you've got the guys in the Midwest. You've got the guys down in South Florida or North Florida. I can't remember what part of Florida. but And then, you know, you've got different factions even um, around uh, Tennessee and uh, northern Alabama and on into East Texas and stuff like that. And if you don't fall lockstep with the way they think you ought to do every single little bitty thing, then you're disfellowshipped. And they'll, they won't actually practice church discipline, but they will do what is effectively referred to now as cancel you. Um, they'll call around to people you might work with. They'll call around to uh, uh, churches you might go and they'll, quote-unquote, disseminate this information about you and warn them of you, but they'll never actually do anything publicly to take uh, action. They'll mention you in their lectureships. They'll mention you in their gospel meetings, um, and and they will try to, to sh- silence you in that way. And it's all from a... A traditions of man. It, it never more have I thought about what Jesus said about the Pharisees, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. They sat in Moses' seat. Mm-hmm. Now, because they sat in Moses' seat, whatever they tell you to do, observe, because they happen to be in power now, and you've got to live in this system. But it's a usurped authority. But anyway, because they're in power, do what they tell you to do. But don't do what they do because they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And um, I don't know, Aaron. A lot of times uh, the influence that you mentioned throughout the country oftentimes surrounds centers of education, Bible yes. schools, universities, and preaching schools. Yeah. And so that's why the different areas you mentioned, like, yeah. uh, you know, in Northwest Florida, you got the Northwest Florida School of Preaching, <laughs> Central South Florida, you got the Florida School of Preaching. That's it. Uh, Alabama, if you have the that Heritage School now, North yep. Alabama, Tennessee, you got Freed Hardeman, uh, Southeast Bible Institute, in Memphis, you know, near the Mississippi River, you got Memphis School of Preaching. And on and on the list goes. Even out in Denver, you know, you have oh, yeah. Bear Valley School. And <clears throat> the thing of it is, is and, and then there's other schools that are what we know to be. They're out there away from the doctrine now. Yeah. You know, like uh, 
the old schools like uh, Lipscomb and Harding uh, now, Harding and Abilene and different ones and Oklahoma, you know, things, Oklahoma, uh, Pepperdine, you know, yeah. all the they these are centers of learning, and so a lot of influence comes out of them. And you know, there's you can't throw the the old saying. I think B.J. Clark says you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and, and we're not yeah. doing that, but. A lot of times, well, there's a lot that comes with this. Yeah. There's, there's baggage that comes with yes. But there, there are good people involved in different aspects of these that yeah. are, I think, faithful to God's Word. And I want to draw a distinction between, like, a, a David Lipscomb, which uh, the school, not the man, yeah. David Lipscomb University, which Absolutely. their Bible department for years has gone off the rails uh, almost a decade ago now, this video about, I think her name was Lauren Fisher or Lauren something. Anyway, um, I used to have it on YouTube, but it got a copyright strike um, <laughs> because it wasn't my video. But I posted it, tried to inform people about it, where she talked about how she was supernaturally called to preach. And where this guy Patrick Mead was in Middle Tennessee, he was preaching at a, at a quote-unquote Church of Christ. And Lipscomb reached out to him, and he said, oh, send her. And she was preaching and teaching and just she was the preaching intern for a couple of years there, or at least a year. And we're not talking about that. All right. So if like if if I got word that the Washington Avenue Church of Christ uh pulled in a, a, a piano and stuff like that and Aaron was still preaching there, I I don't know that I would take to Facebook to to talk about it, but I would talk to Aaron and say, Man, if you if you still if you stay with Washington Avenue Church of Christ. And they've got a piano, and they're doing this and the other. Then you and I, we can't associate anymore. I have to withdraw my fellowship from you. That's actually taking action. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that I would call out Aaron on Facebook or do it publicly. And I don't believe that um, if he ever left Washington Avenue and he went let's say he he got a job as a as an adjunct professor at Heritage Christian University which is in North Alabama i don't believe i would call the staff there and say hey i need to warn you about Aaron because he preached for a year at a congregation that had quote unquote children's church or quote unquote or not quote unquote but had children's church or um had mechanical instruments of music or anything like that you know i just don't believe i would do that yeah, and even um, then, you know, we got two different issues. You children's church, you know, and well, instrumental one, music. One, but, yeah, one's a yeah. matter of scruple. Yeah, but I was trying to be all encompassing. Right. Yeah, you were trying to prove the point of like trying to uh, call around and let people know about certain yeah. things. Some people think that's really the thing to do because you're like warning people and that kind of yeah. thing. You're trying to help your brethren out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This. I, I really think we've messed up. And I love my alma mater, but I think we're turning out pastors because these preaching schools are turning out the product that the consumer base is buying. Because the 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 large majority of people, the large majority of congregations, they don't want a good gospel preacher the way a Paul was, the way a Peter was. They want a pastor, yeah. which is more on the denominational model. They want somebody that's going to come in and basically run everything and just have a pseudo type of position 
and make it to where, like in other words, the, the local preacher is going to come in. He's going to do all the visiting. He's going to make the bulletin. He's going to uh, deal with uh, squabbles and, and, and petty differences between members. He's going to go see the people that are delinquent. He's going to go talk to the people that are in sin. And it gets back to something I heard in school where uh, the reason our congregations are faltering is in the Bible Belt is because we have preachers that do the job of elders. Elders do the jobs of deacons. Deacons yeah. don't know what to do because they're not educated enough. And the, the, the sheep, the members at large, are scattered to the four winds and preyed upon because they don't have a scriptural leader and a scriptural hierarchy of, of leadership in place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the elder is the one, the elders are the one that need to be making the visits. Let, let me tell you, it's, it's right opposite of what we were told in school. We were told in school, hey, when you get to your local work, you need to be out of your office. You need to be in people's homes. You need to do, I, I don't think that's true at all. My job is 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them, and the outcome is you'll save yourself and those that hear you. My job is to study the Bible and teach what I know. The elder's job is to do what we were told to do in school, which is go be in people's homes, go help people, go serve people, go uh, go visit the delinquents, go vi- uh, go uh, go study and, and, and stop the mouth of the gainsayers or the folks that are set against the church. Yep. To yep. go to the hospitals and stuff like that. In other words, the gospel preacher has no more uh, call to do that kind of stuff than any other member of the Lord's church. Yeah. Shepherds are to shepherd the flock. That's it. There's a lot of things that go along with that that tend to each individual member, visitation, cares, concerns, and needs. Yeah. But instead, we think because we financially support the preacher that that gives him the time to do that. Yeah. But and that but that's not what the time is to be consumed doing. It's to be consumed with taking <laughs> heed to yourself and to the doctrine, you know, and studying, teaching and preaching. And that's, that's it. That's often just that's just often gone to the wayside sadly. Well, Barry Odell, all you have to do is read a website of preacher searches and see the churches are looking for the preacher to come in and get all the work done. I, I was trying to find something that I had seen a while back, and I can't find it now. But yeah. you see it on these popular, you know, brotherhood websites, and you read these different, and you're like, wow, this guy's going to have to do everything. And they want a man that's married. Yeah. They never want somebody that's single or divorced scripturally. <laughs> I know. What, what, that, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, they, they place, they, 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 again, they, the people say, we don't have pastors in the Lord's church. You don't describe to me what you expect of your preacher. Yep. And incidentally, when you give him the title preacher, you might as well say pastor because there is no such position in the Lord's church. None. Yep. That position in the Lord's church is evangelist. Yeah, there should never be just one preacher. All Christians are preachers and teachers of God's Word under the Great Commission. I mean, that's it. You Deborah know. O'Neill says they want a young man with uh, a young man with a wife and small children. That's it. And uh, I remember something Tom Holland said. 
Tom Holland said for the first uh, 30 years he preached uh, that everybody said, man, he's really going to be something when he gets some experience. And the last 30 years that he preached, everybody said, man, just think about how good he was in his prime. <laughs> Poor guy. Never could be accepted by many. <laughs> I know it. Because he just tried to do what he was supposed to do. I was trying to find one that I saw. Here's here's one that, and I'm going to try to be, I'm going to use discretion, but this is a group of people that they have a bullet list of things. You know, he's doctrinally sound. He preaches and teaches the word, but then it goes on. You know, he's he's able to do all these different things, self-motivate. He's able to work alone. He's, uh, he's uh, let's see here. He's uh, Here it is. He's able to teach adult Bible class and the Wednesday night. He's able to visit and call members, able to visit the shut-ins in their homes. He's able to assist with the assisted livings and the nursing homes and the hospitals, visiting them, Bible studies with individuals and groups, have regular office hours, provide the articles for the bulletins every week, help maintain the library. I'm not making this up. This is a brotherhood website that many people are aware of. You can just go on. There's public knowledge. You know, it's not me picking on someone. It's it, me well, observing. You, you ain't called their name, and we're not no, sharing I, a link. No. And, 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 and it's on and on. And that's just half of it. There's, there's more to like that, that. That, sound, that sounds like satire. It's like, wow, this is so hard to be an evangelist, according to them. Like, just keeping up with all that stuff. It's like, what are all the wow. other members doing? You know, that's <laughs> it. Paying, paying him. In fact, there there is kind of a like another thing. Pay a salary commensurate with a position. If you got a man doing all that, he needs a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I ain't yeah. gonna lie to you. I'm, yeah, at, at minimum, depending on where he's living. If he's in yeah. some big city, he may may, may need, need more one fifty. Yeah, <laughs> may need more. Um, Oh, but we got to, so the, in most congregations, the members of the congregation will keep the preacher humble and the elders are keeping poor. I think we're on to, yeah, I think we're on to something here about understanding the work and role of an evangelist. I've heard some people say, well, an evangelist was always a traveling evangelist, and they, they misunderstand. They think that you and I are not evangelists today because we don't travel around all the time like Paul. That, you know, I think well, that's a misunderstanding. They, uh, they also don't understand that the New Testament only hits a very, very small highlight of Paul's entire ministry. Yeah. Paul stayed in one place way more than he traveled, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I've traveled in my evangelism career about as much as Paul has over the last 10 years. Yeah, maybe not on foot physically, but nonetheless, you've no. traveled in those distances. Well, but, I, I went I, I went to Memphis, and I worked with a small congregation there. Uh, not in Memphis, but outside of Memphis. Then I went to Cabot. Then I went to Bay. And then I'm, I went to Toronto. And then I'm in Riverview. You talk about five, six different cities and all the That's travel it. and moving and all in between. That's it. You know, and I've, with with the exception of a, of a couple of things, you know, I've, great spiritual growth has happened wherever I've been. You know, yes, yeah, the, the baptized passage, people in every city. The passage you mentioned, First uh, Timothy four you know, has so much for an evangelist there. It's written to an evangelist. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister, verse 6. And yeah, and that's not a title, by the way. That's a descriptor. 
Yeah, you'll be a good servant of That's Jesus it. Christ. Uh, and then he goes on through. Uh, oh, hey, let me stop you. Go ahead. That word minister is deacon. There you go. Diakonos. Diakonos. Yeah. Uh, command, uh, these things command and teach. So he's to be involved in commanding and teaching. Verse uh, 13, giving attendance to reading, exhortation, and to doctrine, and meditating on these things, giving himself wholly to them. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that takes time. That's, yeah. that's not studying for two hours on Saturday night and going to sleep, saying a prayer, God, help me to do the best I can. It, when you but, but give, give me yourself a ready a, recollection. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, and, you know, pray for me on Sunday morning. That's fine. Thank you so much. But I'm going to tell you, if you try to abide by this to the best of your ability, <clears> meditate <throat> on these things, give yourself wholly to them. Yeah. That's a full-time work. I guarantee it. That your profiting may appear to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Doing this, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. This is this is huge. I mean, there's that understanding the role of an evangelist as opposed to the way the word preacher is used. Because many Christians are preachers and teachers. I, sh- I say many. Be. There are more, there's more than one. There should yeah. be more than one who preaches in the local congregation, is what I mean. That's it. And when we start to understand that, that the Great Commission has has us preaching and teaching on a daily basis, I'm so thankful that uh, I can serve in the role of evangelist here. And I, t- I teach on that here, and I think a lot of the brethren understand that. And, and, and another thing with that is we have elders who preach from the pulpit here, too. That's it. You know, uh, sometimes when I'm not here, and then sometimes there's other guys. There are other guys here that I'm training to preach and teach, and it's— you know, oh, and, the, and from time to, I'll just say this, and I was going to say, from time to time, someone will say to these younger guys, like last time I, I was out, uh, there were two two younger guys, younger than me, that I had lined up, and one of them got sick the night before. So guess what? One of my elders stepped up. Boom, he preached that morning, and then that other younger guy preached that night. Right. Well, sometimes when those younger guys preach. Here's what some of the members here say. We need to send them to MSOP. Oh, I'm, I, and, you read and, my mind. And you know what I say? I say, no, we don't. They're like, we don't. You went to MSOP. I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, you don't like MSOP? I said, I didn't say that. I said, the local church, here's what I want to, this is what I do say. The local church is very important. And we yes. don't need to send our strengths everywhere else. And then we become weak. <laughs> say it again. We don't need to send our strengths elsewhere, and then we get weak, and then we're vulnerable to attacks and problems because we have this lofty idea that this young guy's a good speaker, and he needs to make a quote-unquote career out of preaching. That that we That's have, not being an evangelist. Yes, we have in the Bible Belt a clergy and laity. We have a clergy system in the Church of Christ. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times— even graduates of my alma mater tell me, Tony, you they need you to go back there and teach. Like they they wouldn't have me because I challenge too much of the norms. Yeah. I'm too I'm too controversial because I'm not a I'm not a denominational Church of Christ member. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those guys are. But I I I I challenge I I I, I challenge too much. I scrutinize yeah. too much. I question too much. We have created a clergy system in the Church of Christ. Let me tell you how. 
You'll have a congregation where at about 15 years old, a young boy will start reading extra biblical text. He'll start doing some study. He'll start doing some research. He'll start showing an interest. He'll want to get up and do a Wednesday night devotional. And what we do is we say, oh, you've differentiated yourself. You're still a layman because you're not educated. You're not an actual preacher yet. but, But you're not like the other layman. So what we're going to do is we're going to remove you from the normies and we're going to send you to seminary. And I've got to where whenever people ask me about my education, I just tell them I went to seminary because that's what I did. That's what that's what the that's what the MSOP and uh, Southeast and Bear Valley and Brown Trail, any yeah. two year preaching school doesn't matter how good it is, it is a seminary. That that's it, it prepares you to go out and be a minister. And uh, we'll take them from the congregation. Now, why do we do that? I think we do it for two reasons. One, we have a, we have a clergy system. We we communicate this kid special. He's got a he's got a special calling from God, and he's better than the rest of us. And it indicts the other members. You see, we're not comfortable with somebody who is very studious. We're not comfortable with somebody who has a desire to grow and learn. What happens, you've seen the experiment um, with the apes. They put a banana on a string and a ladder going up to it, and every time one one of the uh, chimpanzees tried to climb the ladder, they turned the hose on them, all right? (laughs) And they, they cycled these out to where there was a group. Well, eventually, whenever a chimpanzee approached the ladder, the, a new chimpanzee, rather. So they took some out and they put some in. When a new chimpanzee tried to climb the ladder, the others beat him down because they didn't want the hose. Then eventually they cycled in to where there was no chimpanzees that had ever gotten the hose. But yet because it was this group think, any time a chimpanzee tried to get to the ladder, the other chimpanzees beat them down because of the previous generations. They didn't know why. The chimpanzees had never experienced the hose, but they wouldn't, the other chimpanzees, whenever that one chimpanzee tried to be a free thinker and differentiate himself from the group, the other chimpanzees beat him down. We don't beat people down in the Lord's church, but we get rid of them. There can only be one person in a congregation who's really studious and who's really spiritual and who's basically really a Christian. And that's the gospel preacher. And if somebody differentiates themselves from the fringe, we get rid of them and we send them off to school. And that way, and and we don't let them come back and be our preacher. No, a prophet is not respected in his own country. I'm not going to let that kid preach to me. I remember when he was running around in a poopy diaper. So we're going to send him off and let somebody else deal with him. That's what we've done. And we have gutted our congregations. Yep. And we le- and we lose the best of our congregations, and that's why we're left with a with a denominational model and a clergy laity system. Yeah, and there's all these congregations out there that quote unquote hired these 
guys, and some of them are very sincere, very hardworking in school, and they mean well, and they're wanting to minister the Word. They're wanting to preach and teach. And this is one thing I've noticed. We could go in a lot of ways. Hearty yeah. amen to everything you just said. That's I, We could just say it again and say it again. Uh, and with that, what do we tend to find? Again, this is speaking in generals, broad broad brush. But this may not apply to you and your particular right, area. It may not, but I'm going to tell you, a, a lot of times it does. What, generally speaking, do most preachers do over the course of their time, their career, their time serving? They move, they move, and then next thing you know, they're trying to get back home. That's it. And, and 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 there's multiple reasons for that, I know. And I don't know if you want to talk about just those ideas, but I'll tell you one sincere reason why it's done. Because sometimes he's not accepted anywhere else except by the people that he grew up with. There's one or two or three back home that know how he is. They know he stands for the truth. They know him, they know him inside out, black and white, etc. And they'll take him. He's finally proved himself that he's he's yeah. serious about the work. Come back home. We'll take care of you. These other places he couldn't fit in. Now I know there's different reasons for that. It's it's hard to fit in when you're so close to God. You're trying, it's hard to fit in with anybody that's not close to God. You know, if there's members in that congregation that are close to God, you can fit in with them. You 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 know, but but just generally speaking, you see that you observe a lot of preachers moving around. They move to these different places, and they're always looking for home. Now, it could be a carnal reason on his part. Maybe he's looking for a perfect place, or he misses the the you know the desires of old home more than he does serving in the capacity that he is. I know there's different reasons, yeah. but why not train those boys right there at home to grow up and to share the preaching and the teaching? Train those boys right there at home to be the next elders and deacons. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, an, it's an unscalable business model. It, it's unscalable. You've got a 100-member congregation. If, if every person, if every young boy that shows an aptitude for doing the work, if you ship them off, you're going, it, it, you're going to eventually not have any young boys in the congregation that shows an aptitude to do the work. Yep. It's, it's kind of like in the world right now, the reproduction rate for the world is not high enough to, to sustain the population. Go look at Japan, especially. Japan is having all kinds of problems. China is having all kinds of problems. There's not enough reproduction rate to sustain that those two nations, and it's starting in the U.S. and Canada. It may be already, we may have already hit that critical mass. Yeah. That critical mass might not be right. But we may already have hit that hit that number, where you're not producing enough people. Like there's two ways to grow a congregation. You need both of them. Go out into the community and convert first generation Christians, and then make successive legacy generation Christians. Yeah. You know, you, and and if you're if you're not doing both of those, you don't have a sustainable model. And and the congregation is going to be like some I've seen that in, that then in the eighties and nineties had two or three hundred members, and in the twenty twenties now have fifty or sixty. Yep, absolutely. So like, why? Okay, the same way we treat generally, we treat uh, pre preachers. You know, we we we. It's like we um, we farm it out. Yes. 
we, we get, you know, do we, but we hardly ever do that with elders though. That's it. We don't, we don't well, find somebody up in Ohio, hey, that's qualified. Will you come down here to Northeast Arkansas and serve as an elder? We got to have elders. Let me, let me give you a scenario. This actually happened. This was back in the 90s, early 90s. There was one little old congregation that said, we're not content with what we are. We've always talked about having elders, and we desire for elders, and we pray for elders. Well, there's a congregation down the road that has a multiplicity of elders and are blessed with a multiplicity of men that are willing to serve as elders. And they're just down the road. We're in the same community. So that group of men went to the eldership of that other congregation and said, hey, you have two members that we know who are qualified to be elders, and and they're just not a need for them to serve here. We want them to come here to our congregation and shepherd us. I brought that up whenever I was barely out of high school. And the men at the congregation where I was said, well, that's just not scriptural because you got to know the flock that are among you. I had it. Okay, so we're done. And that congregation, incidentally, is effectively non-existent. Okay, let those folks move over there and give them just a little bit of time. It doesn't take years and years and years and years and years to get well, to know the flock. I've heard, it, I know, I've heard brethren think that they well, think that's the thing, that. Though. Well, they wouldn't know them like I know them. I've known them. You know, I'm an elder here, and I've known them since they were five years old. Now they're forty. Okay, that's neat. I but know. if you do the work of a of a shepherd and you have them in your home and you're a part of their life and family, it doesn't take years and years and years to get to know that they're a trustworthy and godly individual and they can serve as an elder. That's you know? it. And and like I said, it, it wasn't like these it wasn't like we were going three states away and getting somebody we didn't even know their name. Right. Just we random. we had people in mind. Yeah. Yep. Like, no, because if they come it, it might it might the stupid slippery slope argument. Oh, well, it might, might lead to where people would think that we're under this other church. Oh, like, well, who cares what people think? I'm I'm concerned with what people what is. I don't care what people think about what is. People yeah. can be wrong. They thought Jesus was a wine bibber and a glutton. Yep, but he yep. wasn't. Right. I, oh, that's another good lesson. A, a good sermon that our brethren need to hear. We're not nope. concerned about what people think. We're concerned about what God thinks. I know. We know what He thinks as per the Word. So I know. Uh, that's just like letting letting denominations have God's terms. You know, we're I terrified know. to call our elders pastors. So you know what that's turned into? It's turned into our thinking that mainly what elders are are old men that's only been married once and they know how to go in a room and make a decision and leave and not tell anybody. That's it. Like like it's some kind of business executive or something. Kenny Townsley, the first uh, Northeast Arkansas lectureship, he was uh, assigned the topic of uh, interpersonal relationships, how to stop bickering and fighting in the Lord's church. Obviously, that's not the way it was worded, but effectively, that was the topic. We need preachers that teach, elders that lead, deacons that serve, and members who seek. And that's it. Basically, you go back to a biblical model. <laughs> yeah, it's novel, isn't it? Yes. And like, all neat. of that stuff will just, all of this bickering and, and foolishness will fall by the wayside. 
and all this turning over preachers constantly. Again, I know there's multiple reasons. Sometimes preachers are living in sin. They won't repent. Sin of laziness, immorality. But, yeah. but oftentimes it's just things that better preparation and better training and better attitudes could handle. You know, like yeah. just. And I know a, I know of a congregation that had their preacher for about sixteen years. And they just said, "Well, we're gonna we're going to uh, make a change in the pulpit." Well, have I done anything? No, you you you've been good to us, and we love you. But we just think it's time to get a fresh face in the pulpit. Hey, <laughs> I'm um, give you what I was saying earlier as the answer to that. If you train the elders (plural) to yeah. preach and teach the, to the congregation and to shepherd individually and privately, and you train the young guys to teach the Bible and Bible classes and fill in for me when I'm gone, et cetera, on a regular basis. They won't need a new face because they won't be bored stiff with the same face for 50 years. Every single Bible class, every single sermon, every single everything done by one person. Then what? Then what's the pur- purpose of the preacher then? Why would you even pay a preacher? <laughs> that's what people don't understand. That's exactly the question I think a lot of people are trying to figure out then. Why do we need one? Because he has the knowledge, the time, and the wherewithal to equip the congregation with the word that other people do not have. Because that's, his job is yep. to study the Bible and to teach what he knows yep. and what he learns. Yep. His job is not to do all this other junk you've got him doing. That's exactly. how you solve this problem. Don't exactly. send him to preaching school. Yeah. Have a have the man in the congregation who you already pay teach the oh Aaron teach them to you to have preach the and old teach. men teach the young men yeah yeah I just thought of that like there's no there, this is a new idea that nobody's ever considered but it's right there in the you, Bible for two thousand years no it's not in the Bible surely it's not that must be in a commentary right. It's got to be in it. No, and nobody's been this brilliant. It's not in the commentary either. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. This is an idea new and original original to me. You get the men that are old, that are studious and apt to teach and preach and do all this, who whose job it is to read to, to study the Bible and teach what they know, and you you have them teach the men that are younger so yeah. that the ranks, there's no voids in the ranks coming up. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't believe no one's ever thought of this. I wish God in all of his infinite wisdom would have uh, codified that in some ancient manuscript preserved for us and our learning today. Yeah, like, you know, like Titus 2.6, young men likewise exhort to be uh, sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that can't be condemned, etc., there you go. Training these guys to preach and to teach. There's probably another passage there. Yeah. Uh, I'm look I'm overlooking the first few verses. Speak the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. Train these young guys. Train these young guys to become deacons, Bible class teachers, organizers within the church, shepherds over the local church. Um, I tell you this. I'm very, very proud of one of our elders here and the congregation. We've been we've been doing this for a while now since I've been here. And it's not 
really because of me. It's one because of this particular elder. And we <laughs> we we have a training. We people call it a training class, but it, it yeah. I mean that's what it is. But it's a it's a and it's a, a lot of Bible discussion. We we do cover different aspects of how men can be uh leading in the worship. A good bit of focus has been on that, but we're shifting yeah. even from that. Now we've been in evangelism for a while, talking about that. And uh, we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna come full circle. We've talked a while, but and and then in some ways me and this one elder kind of co-teach this because a lot of times oh, he, awesome. you know, because he yields to me. So he'll say, Aaron, you may know. And you know, that's the thing when <laughs> when you have elders who will look to the evangelist and say, hey, you know, what is something I'm missing here. What do you, you know, think Aaron, about this? Aaron, what am I, you know, You've been studying, you know, and so it, it, it that provides a good environment because then yeah. you kind of co-teach it together and 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 work off of each other. And it's it's, and it, it's really, I tell you, there are guys in our congregation right now who are saying things that you love to hear. Like, yeah. I wasn't like this a year ago. I yeah. never talked to anybody when I used to come to church. I, I know. I never gave a devo. I never gave a let. I was. I didn't know this. I didn't. I'm an introvert, and now I'm teaching yeah. a devo on the fifth Sunday. You yeah. Know? Oh, we're at Riverview, man. We're uh, even after losing like twelve people because they didn't like the changes that were being made. So there was congregation was about twenty five, and then we lost half of them because they liked the old order and getting a unbiblical cord of money from the United States. That was the message that was being taught here. Uh, this this area is, hates the gospel, and y'all people can't do anything. We need money from the United States in order to function. And my deal was, well, that's wrong, and you don't need money from the United States, so let's quit setting ourselves up as if we do. Well, we lost a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And now we're up to about 30 in attendance every Sunday morning. Interesting. And, and people are coming out of the woodwork and, you know, just it's amazing. You can't get out of there, man. I love it. And I, and, and, well, I shouldn't say hate it because it's very affectionate. And yes. I think, I hope you can hear my tone of voice. It's very affectionate. But like, good grief. All right. So we started at seven. We ended the class at eight. And now it's, you know, 945. We're getting home <laughs> if we don't really watch ourselves. Yeah. Because everybody just wants to be together, and it's a yep. different attitude, and and we're yep. we're learning, and you know we even have some that don't come back on Wednesday nights that probably could, and you know we're long suffering with them, but the members that show up on Wednesday nights are like, I wish everybody understood what they're missing when they don't come on Wednesday night, and yep. I don't think it's a testament to me personally, but it is a testament to my love of Scripture and doing what God tells me to do, because yep. if I'm passionate and I love the Scripture. That's infectious. Yep, absolutely. Infectious? Anyway, that's infectious. It's, it's contagious. Contagious <laughs> is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Contagious. Why don't yep. you tell me sooner? Anyway, <laughs> it's contagious. Yeah. And you can't be at the Riverview Church of Christ and not feel it for very long unless you have some type of terrible uh, neuroticism and, mm-hmm. and resentment that keeps you from it. Absolutely. We have... In that class that we have here, people love it. It's excelling. I mean, it's like we we when we have a a, a visitor that comes, and if if that 
if he doesn't look like, and I'm not picking on old people, but yeah. if he's not if he's not 80 years old and can barely get in the building, yeah, we, I invite him in there to that class. I mean, if he's like an old person, literally, right, I may just let him be and say, "Hey, there's a class in here." Because a lot of times it's the older people because the classes subdivide into younger age groups. You know, Bible class hour. Yeah. It, so, but there was a guy just recently. He attended here. And he had saw some of our stuff on the internet, been listening to my preaching and teaching. He, the, him and his wife are members. They're up in Missouri somewhere. Yeah. She had a bad problem with her health, had to come to the hospitals here in Jonesboro. He attended. And as soon as he came in, you know, there's multiple people flooding him. She's in the hospital. We learned the situation. Yeah. And then he, I said, hey, you know, when the first song in prayer, that's our tradition, you know, one song, one prayer, go to Bible class. Well, so it's they, scriptural. I, Right, it's the only way. Jude chapter five hundred. He comes over. He comes over to where, or I come over to where he is. Hey, we have a really good class in here with the guys. It's a really good discussion. You want to come? And he did. And I could just tell he really enjoyed it. He messaged me later, and he said, "He said, hi, Aaron. I wanted to let you know, and the congregation know my wife is better. I was able to take her home, etc." And then later I said, great, great, da da da. He come back and said it was wonderful to participate in the Bible class. And worship with the congregation there. I've been watching the video sermons a couple months and uh, before our trip to the area, and I've been strengthened by them. Too many congregations have slipped away from the scriptures, but I found uh, the truth there, et cetera. Great lessons. Glad to have met you. He specifically mentioned how he liked the Bible class, and Made I was an not impact. the one in charge of the Bible class that morning. So, it's, again, it's not about me per se. It's yeah. about you know, it takes somebody like me and you as evangelists to get people thinking this way, to have that desire and zeal. And there are others, you know, yeah. that have that. But he, that Bible class, you know, discussion, this, this whole, and we could talk about this another time too. I know we're basically out of time, but, yeah. you know, Bible classes need to include thought provoking discussion and questions, not just an oration for an hour and people walk away going, wow, that's one. I got so much here, Tony. And it, I know. Well, let, one, me do, let me do this. Here's what we've done at Riverview. We have men. We have uh, several song leaders. I lead singing. I lead singing once a month. I'm in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, I really appreciate it. But two things. Number one, I feel funny leading the singing and preaching the sermon. <laughs> and I don't want to stop leading singing. But number two, it's a lot of stinking work. Leading, you know, preaching this. If you do it right, it's a lot of work preaching the sermon and leading the singing. Well, I know we have two men that are able to get up in front of the congregation and do it. So once a month, somebody besides me needs to preach. And for the last two months, that has been the case. That's great. So you can start it. If you're in a place, you know, if somebody's watching this or listening to this, if you're in a place and they don't do that, the preacher does every, the quote unquote preacher does everything. Then start small, you know, let one other brother rotate in once a month doing the devotional Wednesday night. I'm going to tell you, we are so blessed here, Tony. I think I've mentioned to you before, but I do the devotional yeah, Wednesday night. In all the time. I, 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 did the, I did the, I do the devotional <laughs> Wednesday night, like every two and a half months, man. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like great. literally like it's in yeah. song leaders. We have a number of song leaders. Uh, I, when I came here, there were two song leaders and I've been here a little over four years and there, and now there's like seven song That's leaders. Good. And I'm still on the Wednesday night rotation, but I don't get to do it, but like every eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
but that's fine. I don't want to do it every Wednesday night, you know, no. and the Wednesday night's only like two or three songs, you know, but anyhow, it's, and, and, and that is one of the joys of being a located evangelist yes. preaching for a congregation. It you is. get to see the growth. Yes. Amen. You don't have to move on and not really know what happens. You yeah. get to see the, uh, and this is this is so much commendation for my brethren here. There are a number of good brethren here, uh, older people that support and encourage, and then like middle age and young adult age yeah. that are really desiring, and they're sound in doctrine. They don't, they're not looking for entertainment and worship. They're not That's looking it. for cute stories. They're commenting. They ask questions about my sermons. They. We have a weekly Thursday night Bible discussion every single week, and we're in eight different homes on Thursday night. And I'm going to tell you, I have privately bragged and bragged. Bragged sounds not healthy. Yeah. I have encouraged and encouraged and encouraged these different ones that are participating. And I just, hey, I said, this is what's helping the congregation to go in the right direction. We dare not stop this. And everybody's like, who said we're stopping? This is great. I love it. And, you know, like, it's so... It's so like informal on Thursday nights. Like sometimes people provide cookies and drinks. Sometimes we don't have it. Uh, usually, yeah. like in the fall time, there'll be a time when it's cooler. My wife will like make chili on the night well, that, we're having it. That and so people a whole come lot early. Like, that sounds a whole lot like small churches. Uh oh. So, you know, you got to watch it. That's, yeah. yeah you know, hey, hey, the good news on this is I can take it back before small churches. I can take it back all the way to the small churches in the first century. <laughs> ain't that the truth? You know, people and, are scared to death of Acts, aren't they? Yes. We got to, we got to wrap it up. I, know um, it. I will say this <laughs> my goal is if the Canadian government disallows my being here and, and I have to go back to the United States is that the Riverview Church of Christ will not need to go outside of its own membership to have a gospel preacher. Amen. And I think that is the case at the moment. I would hate for it to be premature. Yeah. But it is the case at the moment. They are, and I told them, I said, y'all, this is, y'all don't, y'all technically do not need me at this point. You know, of course, they's like, well, yes, we do. Like, well, I appreciate that. And and there is, I can still help you. I can still be an asset here. Right. But if if the Canadian government said, nope, y'all got to go back, this work is going to continue and you're still going to grow. Yep. And that's what we need to do. Yep. And 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 we don't, we need, we need, we again, we need ministers, evangelists, preachers, scripturally, the designate the title of evangelist, but basically you call them preachers because that's what they do is preach. We need preachers that preach, elders that lead, deacons that serve, and members who seek. And if yep. we bring that balance back, <laughs> we'll quit gutting our congregation of our brightest and best and, and creating a clergy laity system. Yep. Everybody will the the the, the middle will shift. Uh, towards the top instead of the bottom, and we'll quit having these congregations just dwindle down because we will have a scriptural self-sustaining model. Yep, and you and if you have multiple men who preach and teach in the assembly here, like in the local congregation where you are, then if that evangelist is remaining faithful and he's continuing to provide the work that God told him to do to bless that congregation— 
He can, quote, unquote, stay there till he's too old. He's not become a one-man show, if you will. He's not become where they're dependent on him because he has enabled others to do it, and they're not tired of him. You know, we just need a change. Well, you That's won't it. need a change if you've got other people and you've got elders standing up teaching Bible class because you're hearing so many different, quote-unquote, perspectives, if you will. You're hearing, That's you know it. what I'm saying? It's not and just one person, all Johnny One Note. <laughs> incidentally, we'll learn how to hold differences of conviction on matters of academic pursuit and still be brethren. The yep. reason we can't do that anymore is because we gut the congregation of the people who study enough to actually hold an informed opinion on an academic pursuit. Yep. 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 So you don't you no longer have three or four men who are well respected in one congregation who hold opposing viewpoints on academic pursuits. Yep. So then you create what we have now. Oh. I gotta be done. We gotta be I, done. I know, I know. We can Lord willing continue another time. There's I know. Uh, well, you ready for me to sign us off? Yeah, man. Hey, thanks, everybody, for watching. I sure enjoyed it. Thanks for That's the comments. It. Didn't read all of them, but they're there, and appreciate yeah, you so much. Yeah, Jonathan Exum, I appreciate you very much. Barry O'Dell yeah. and Deborah and all y'all yep. that commented. This yep. has been Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. You're also listening to this on the Cogitations podcast channel. Uh, we hope you like what we do. We haven't asked in this whole hour, but go to the locals and support us. Uh, we we need the support, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. We got a we 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 got some stuff planned in the future. I know that feels like we're future faking you, and and but we it, it is coming. The just the wheels of this industry turn slowly. That's all I've got to say about that. Christianity now, with Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson, and uh, folks, we'll catch you on the flip side.